The title of this evening's talk is Why Metta? And we'll explore this question through one of the ancient Buddhist uh, folk tales, Jataka tales. Jataka tales are stories, folk tales, of the Buddha's past lives in the form of many different beings, human and otherwise. And there are quite a number of these ancient stories told about the Buddha during his bodhisattva days, from what are considered to be his many, many lifetimes before he entered the lifetime where he became a totally awakened being, a Buddha. It could be said that these previous lifetimes were when he was in training for Buddhahood. And they show the Buddha in various life forms and various situations as a teacher and at the same time as a practitioner, as a bodhisattva. And the word bodhisattva means the word sata, breaking it down. Sata means someone, really anyone, who undertakes practice in a very deeply genuine way, which can render one bodhi, meaning a being who is fully, totally committed to liberation with the altruistic, with the unselfish aspiration to attain perfect spiritual awakening, liberation, for the sake of all beings. Jataka tales have been an important, or they've been important teaching stories over the centuries, coming from the great breadth of this long-standing oral tradition that is now called Buddhism. Since the time of Siddhartha Gautama, which was the Buddha's family name, this has been, these tales have been told. And this particular Jataka tale is called Great Joy. And it's very rich in its illumination of the immeasurable heart qualities of metta, of karuna, compassion, mudita, appreciative or empathetic, or what I like to call contagious joy, and upeka, equanimity. Throughout this story, there's much of this in very ordinary, natural ways. And of course, these qualities are perfectly natural aspects of our humanness. So in in this sense, ordinary. The story also illuminates the extraordinariness of these capacities when they're developed and are present in one who's fully committed on the path to awakening. 
In this story, in this Jataka tale, our Buddha is depicted as an ox. Once a Brahmin farmer was given an ox calf and he delighted in the tiny creature. He loved its gentle eyes and awkward, frisky ways. He fed the little ox very well and lavished much affection and care on it. And the ox loved the man, too. And it grew and grew and grew until it was a huge, powerful beast. Yet, as big as it was, it was gentle. Whatever the farmer, the Brahmin farmer, told it to do, it did. Even the heaviest tasks. With goodwill, it pulled stumps from the fields and dragged boulders out of the fields. When children wanted a ride, it was willing. So pleased was the farmer with the ox that he named it Great Joy. One day Great Joy thought to himself, The farmer, the Brahmin, my master, is poor. Yet here I am, a great, powerful ox. I should use my strength to help him. I want to repay all of the kindness that he's shown. So Great Joy walked over to the open window of the Brahmin's adobe house. And very carefully, he put his huge horned head through the weathered window frame. And there sat the farmer at a crooked wooden table, mending the torn page of a book. Then the good-hearted ox said, Dear Master, I would like to repay you for the years of kindness you've shown me, I have a plan. Please listen. Well, the Brahmin, the farmer, was pretty amazed. <laughs> and he ceased his work and he listened. Tomorrow, on market day, said Great Joy, when you go to the village, seek out a wealthy merchant. Bet him a thousand pieces of silver that you have an ox who can pull a hundred carts loaded to the top with boulders, gravel, and stone. What? exclaimed the Brahmin farmer, finding his tongue finally. <laughs> I have such an ox? <clears throat> yes, said Great Joy. You do. I am that ox. 
Wait, my friend, said the farmer. No ox has ever, ever pulled such a load. Trust me, said the ox. Have I ever let you down? No, said the Brahmin, upon reflection. No, you never have. Well then, continued great joy, don't worry, we will win the bet. You have my word. So, in the end, the Brahmin agreed. The next day, when the sun rose, the poor uh, farmer had uh, tied on his worn sandals and he set off for town. Entering the already crowded market, he moved through the stalls looking for bargains. He found a piece of white cloth and a few sheets of very nice thick paper, which he traded for a small bag of rice. And he also got a fistful of corn for great joy. When the sun rose higher and the day grew very hot, he hurried from the noisy bazaar and he entered a little tea shop where merchants and farmers gathered to refresh themselves during the midday heat. And he seated himself at a table. Then gathering his courage, he called out to the wealthy merchant who was just coming through the doorway. My friend, will you join me? Why not, said the merchant. Sitting down, he joined the farmer at his table. And after pleasantries and a few sweets and a few cups of tea, the Brahmin drew a deep breath and announced, I have an ox. <laughs> so responded the, the wealthy merchant, licking the last crumbs of pastry from his fingers. I have many oxen, and let me tell you, they cost me a pretty penny. They cost me plenty. Yes, said the Brahmin farmer, but you see, my ox is strong. Bah, said the merchant. What else is new? Is it not the ox's nature to be strong? Well, of course, stammered the, the farmer. Of course, but, but not so strong as mine. Huh, snorted the merchant, sipping his tea. The Brahmin continued. Why, this ox of mine is so strong, he can pull a hundred carts loaded to the top with boulders, gravel, and stone. Impossible, laughed the, laughed the merchant. Let me tell you something. No ox, no matter how strong, can pull such a load. After all, he added confidently, in this world, this world is one of weights and measures. An ox, after all, is just an ox. Like everything else, it has its necessary limits. No, my friend, this cannot be done. But it can, insisted the Brahmin farmer. It can't, persisted the merchant. Let us wager, said the farmer. 
If you wish, said the merchant. One thousand pieces of silver, suggested the farmer. Very good, said the merchant. One thousand pieces of silver it is. Now when shall we test this great ox of yours? Tomorrow, said the Brahmin farmer. Yes, tomorrow by all means, said the merchant. Tomorrow in the square. You bring this great ox of yours, and I'll see to it that loaded carts are waiting. Until then, my friend, good day. And with that, the merchant rose and walked smiling from the shop. Soon the whole town was alight with the news. One thousand pieces, said some. One hundred carts, exclaimed others. One ox, laughed the rest. Money changed hands and bets were placed. And then at last, all waited in expectation for the morning. That night, the farmer tossed and turned anxiously. Would he win? Would he lose? Could great joy really pull so many loaded carts? The odds, after all, were entirely against it. Ah, he thought with dismay, what utter foolishness my life is resting on. But in the morning, he woke brightly enough with the rising sun and went out at once to Great Joy's stall. And there stood Great Joy, waiting quietly for him as usual, flicking his long tail in the warm air and contentedly chewing the golden straw. His great dark eyes looked out mildly at the farmer with such good humor in them as if to say, So, today's the day, huh? Well, don't worry, my friend. All shall be well. But the Brahmin was quite preoccupied. He rested his arms on the rough edge of the stall and stared at the great contented ox. Motes of straw dust danced in the warm sunlit air. Yet it was cool in the stable. Everything there seemed so solid, so ordinary. The thick adobe walls, the wooden buckets, the yokes, the worn ropes and brushes. How real, how sturdy they all were today. And the farmer thought, perhaps this bet, perhaps my whole life, who knows, has been just a dream. And then the farmer shook himself. Dream or no, there's work to do, work to be done, he announced. And picking up a stiff brush, 
he began to slap and brush the hard muscles of Great Joy's back with all his strength, so that the dust rose up in clouds from the glossy hide. Then, combed and brushed and curried, Great Joy and the Brahmin farmer set off across the fields and down the dirt road to the town. And they arrived just as the sun was rising to the top of the tallest mango tree. The square was packed with a noisy crowd. And there were the carts waiting. The Brahmin was shocked. He had never seen so many carts. What a fool I've been, he thought, to have been taken the advice of a mere beast. What have I done? I'm lost. And so with a sinking heart in the pit of his stomach, he stepped forward. The crowd parted to let the farmer in his great joy through. They walked along the row of the carts. The merchant was waiting for them. He stood smiling alongside the very first cart. So, are you ready, he asked. Certainly, certainly, of course we're ready, replied the farmer. And the merchant motioned for two men, and two men stepped Uh, from the crowd. And stooping, they lifted up the massive yoke onto Great Joy's shoulders. And they knotted the new ropes tightly. In a last rush, final bets were placed. And indeed, a few, seeing Great Joy, now shouted, The ox, the ox. My money's on the ox. Then, complete silence fell. It was so quiet, you could hear the birds singing in the nearby trees. It was so quiet, you could hear the sweep of Great Joy's tail. It was so quiet, you could hear the buzzing of the glittering flies. Unconcerned, Great Joy gently eyed the staring crowd and mildly watched the white clouds drifting slowly by. And he shook his head, his huge head, and exhaled loudly as if to say, What's all of us? Then the farmer, feeling all eyes focused on them, them, stepped closer to Great Joy's side and, raising a whip, struck. Struck Great Joy sharply across the shoulders, crying out, On you, beast! On you, wretch! Do as I say! Pull those carts! Show your strength! But when Great Joy felt the bite of the whip and heard the Brahmin's harsh words, his eyes opened wide. 
What's this, he thought to himself. Blows, curses, well, not for this ox. And planting his hooves massively in the earth, he stood rooted like a tree. Despite all the shouts and all the threats, all the pulls and the prods, he would not budge. Not even an inch. He would not even try to pull those carts. He stood unmoved, resolute, beneath all the blows. The crowd laughed and jeered, and they threw clods of earth and stones, and they shouted and screamed. But great joy would not budge. Aha, my friend, my friend, sputtered the wealthy merchant, tears of laughter streaming down his cheeks. You were certainly right. That is some, ha, 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 that's some ox indeed. When the prodding and the threats had at last ceased and the crowd had drifted away, the merchant, still dabbing his wet eyes, had been paid. Better luck next time, he joked. Only then did great joy at last let himself be unhitched and silently led away back home. Once there, the farmer put his head in his arms and sobbed and sobbed with shame and grief. Then, once again, great joy came to the window and spoke clearly to him, saying, Why do you weep, my friend? Between broken breaths, the farmer, in great bitterness, cried out, What you told me to do, I have done. But for all your promises, I've lost everything. And it's all because of you. Not only that, the wealthy merchant and the whole town have laughed at me as well. You alone are responsible. But great joy said sadly, Did I let you down? Let me ask you something. Did I ever break any of your fences? Or smash a pot or crack a plow? No, said the Brahmin, raising his head. You never did. Did I then perhaps ever step on or injure you or hurt any of the children? No, said the Brahmin farmer again, never. Perhaps then I may have tracked mud into the clean places of your home or before some sacred shrine that you have. No, repeated the farmer. No, you've never done anything like that either. 
You have always, always been a great joy to me. Then why? asked Great Joy the ox. Why did you strike me and call me a wretch and a beast? Was this indeed the reward I deserved? I who wanted only to work hard for you? Well, the farmer wiped his eyes and sat up straight. And in silence, he looked at the ox. And knowing the truth of his words, grew ashamed. You are right, he said at last. It was actually I who let you down, and I'm sorry. Well, said the ox, not unkindly, since you now feel this way, let us try again. But this time, you must bet 2,000 pieces of silver. My friend, cried the Brahmin, I shall do my best. It shall be just as you say. And I, too, shall do my best, said the ox. For if you don't let me down, I will certainly not let you down. The next day, the Brahmin ran to the town and entered the tea shop once again. And there was the merchant, calmly sipping his tea and eating his sweets. May I join you, asked the Brahmin farmer. By all means, the merchant said merrily. Have you not brought me great joy? Let us bet again, said the farmer. What, cried the merchant, astonished. My friend, don't you know when you're beaten? Come, said the merchant calmly. One last wager on the ox and the carts as before. But this time, let us bet 2,000 pieces of silver. Well, really, thought the merchant to himself, fools like this just don't go grow on every tree. And at last he shrugged. Who am I to say no? So it's a wager, said the farmer. If you wish, said the merchant, smiling. Yes, I do wish, said the Brahmin, delighted. Tomorrow in the square at the same time as before. And then he departed, wishing the merchant a good day. The next morning, the Brahmin once again curried great joy and brushed and cleaned him. And then once again he led his mighty ox to the center of town. Once more the crowd gathered, ready for some fun. But as great joy was led up to the carts, spiritedly tossing his great horned head, sunlight suddenly sparkled 
like fire upon him, and power pulsed from his shining back. His tail seemed to lash the skies like a dragon's tail, and his wide, curved horns seemed to tear at the clouds. Each hair on his glossy red-brown hide bristled and crackled and lifted electrically. The power of a thousand breaths flowed from his mouth and pulsed through the surging crowd, pouring from his heavy hoofs into the dark earth and from his curling tail into the bright morning air. The crowd gasped. What an ox, they cried. Perhaps he'll actually be able to do it. Once again, the heavy yoke was set upon him. And once again, the thick new ropes were firmly tied. Then the farmer, stepping up to the ox's side, hung a wreath of flowers around Great Joy's massive neck and patted him on his giant shoulder and said quietly, Now is the time, my mighty friend. This is the moment, my great-hearted ox. So pull, my brother, pull, my great joy, and let the whole world see your noble strength. And with those kind, encouraging words, Great Joy happily planted his hoofs firmly in the warm earth and stiffened his legs till they stood as strong as ancient trees. And then he pulled and pulled and pulled straining and struggling with every muscle and every nerve until slowly, steadily, the wheels began to turn. Inch by inch, bit by bit, the carts rolled forward. They move, they move, cried the astonished crowd. The carts began to move, Faster and faster rolled the carts as great joy pulled and pulled and pulled. The wealthy merchant's eyes opened wide. His jaw dropped in disbelief and the silver coins slipped from between his fingers into the dust. It wasn't possible. It couldn't be. But... But he's done it, cried the crowd. The ox has won. Still gathering speed, Great Joy pulled the carts right around the square and out through the gates of the town. Rolling and rolling and rolling, he circled the village and pulled all hundred loaded carts back through the gates and into the square once again. 
And all of the people followed, laughing wildly, slapping each other on the back and flinging their shirts high up into the air. For never, no, never had they seen or heard of such a wild and marvelous thing. The wealthy merchant, gathering his silver coins once again, ran too. And so, of course, did the poor Brahmin farmer. Truly, that day, the self-respecting ox, with his dignity and strength, gave them all great joy. Now some say it must have been a pretty small town to have made such a fuss over an ox and some cards. But others, and I think wiser, say that it's always important when anyone, man or beast, shows us that there are no limits, that we can do amazing things when there's unconditional love, kindness, respect, friendship, and the heart of compassion within us. When we find our own way and when our hearts are really, truly in it, when we're really, truly present, and our heart is open and shines forth. There are no limits. What do you think? So let's sit quietly for a few minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.